Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Second Term Buckle Podcast. My name is Tuki, joined as always by Mr. Crash Andrews. Crash, anything interesting happened this weekend in the world of wrestling? Oh, yeah. WWE had a pay per view. <laughs> <gasps> they did. Yes. <laughs> I believe it was something about a castle and clashing and in England. Oh, I've heard of that. It's, it's, it's a yeah. mobile game, right? Yeah, Clash of Clash of Clans with yeah. John Cena. <laughs> do, 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 do. So welcome everybody again to the second turnbuckle podcast. We are a weekly wrestling podcast for the most part, although we did have a little bonus episode of our initial thoughts from AEW's all out pay-per-view on this Sunday, which we will talk more today about AEW in general. We're going to, of course, talk about everything that happened in the world of WWE. We might even get to a little retro review that we originally had planned, but so much has happened in the wrestling world in the past week that we're going to try to get to as much of it as we can, hopefully within an hour, hour and a half uh, type of territory there, because Crash, so much has happened that I, I, I could legitimately talk about it for three or four hours, like without repeating anything or going back and be like, Oh yeah. And on, on this subject, we could say this too. Like it has been one of the biggest, what, one of like the biggest time frames in, in wrestling, recent wrestling history. Yes. Yes. First off, uh, there's, there's two items that I want to get to really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, both kind of encompass encompassing in the, in the AEW stuff. Um, first off, we forgot to mention Samoa Joe in the live cast. <laughs> I realized that too, yeah. <laughs> we also, and this is still part one, we also forgot to mention that Samoa Joe somehow uh, busted himself open walking down to the ring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is awesome, which is so Samoa Joe. The second one I want to address really quickly, you and I go back and forth on DMs, uh, we chat, we we throw ideas out here and there, and and you had a small concern. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it this big thing, but you had a concern about some of the content that we had when we decided to go live on your stream, Twitch.tv/slash/tugi24. Um, <laughs> moments after the pay per view, we had decided yes. to to do that like five minutes before uh, the final pinfall. We decided to do it before the big reveal of the Joker ended up being MJF. And we didn't have all the details that we have that we're going to get into later on today. So I think one of the things that I wanted to do was just address the fact that we're we're fans of wrestling. We didn't have uh, all the information. We had as much information as everybody else, which was whatever was coming down our Twitter feeds and, and all that stuff. So if you go back and listen to that, we got it wrong. <laughs> We're going to yeah. address that uh, later on here on the podcast. But, you know, as fans, as due to podcasts, I'm not trying to make excuses. I just wanted to throw it out there that we're not always going to get it right until we right. have an opportunity to get it right. So, so that, I learned, uh, yeah, I learned on the, the hockey podcast that I have, the, the Tukey's Take podcast, that commenting on something until you have the full facts often isn't worth it um mm-hmm. 
a hockey comparison that I will make um, is, and obviously not everyone who listens to this might listen to hockey. There might be people who have found this podcast that don't know us from, from Twitch or YouTube or anything like that. Right. Um, but there was a player named Evander Kane who had a lot of accusations thrown his way. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, you, you want to talk about it in the moment because it is the the pressing subject, but you won't often have full details until much later down the road. And as you said, we decided very spur of the moment to review All Out in full. We will talk about All Out in a general sense, but in terms of like match by match, go back and listen to that little bonus show there. Um, but as we were doing that podcast, all of the sudden, yeah, the breaking news comes down of CM Punk goes after Colt Cabana. CM Punk goes after the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And, you know, you try Don't to comment Hangman on... Page. Don't forget Hangman Page. <laughs> How the fuck could you? Um, <laughs> it was just one of those things where it's like you try to keep up with it live in the moment, but at the same time... Um, that isn't often the best way to go about it. It is better to to know more of the facts and the, what. And even then, now we still don't have all the facts as of Tuesday night. We only have what's been reported and what's been. Uh, let's go with uh, well informed but speculative. That's I think fair. it's still a, a lot of how what has happened is being discussed. So we can't speak in, in absolutes, but we can go off of what's been put out there. But. Much like Crash said, we will get into everything AEW related in a few moments. But before that, Crash, at the very least, I know one of the things you had for this show was the idea of a mailbag segment. Hey. And I did see one particular questionnaire. And again, you can follow us on Twitter at Second Turnbuckle, the number two ND Turnbuckle. And we will have a mailbag up and answer questions at the start of every single show and i want to shout out the taps who is a longtime viewer of mine on twitch as well who will get us started off here today with the question of you know it's a little bit of a warm-up it's the opening contest here what match or matches do you think every fan that wants to get into wrestling should watch this is a loaded question because as the old saying goes, different strokes for different folks. And it almost depends on the personality of that individual that you're trying to get into wrestling. The most recent example for me is my fiance, who I didn't immediately go and be like, look at Mick Foley getting thrown off the cell. Isn't this shit nuts? Or hey, that's you've the never watched. You've never watched wrestling in your life. Let me introduce you to Nick Gage. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Can like you her first... the, the mankind off the cell is like your first introduction into professional wrestling. Like, uh, so what's this all about? Oh, it's just a bunch of guys in spandex fake punching each other. And then there's Mick Foley going 20 feet. <laughs> oh, and if, you, if, if we pause on this frame, you can see the tooth come through his nose. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> just absurdity. i also remember watching that one live god I, I i can't say i did but it was even though i didn't see that pay-per-view as a kid it was so heavily replayed and obviously has been 
right. now almost 25 years later but there was even like an a and e special about something i think that oh, was yeah. out in like 99 yeah, yeah. 2000 like way back when not even like the most recent crop of a and e specials uh that that covered this match like it was already boosted up to that status point being not to talk about that match although depending on the right person that is the match to show them uh for her it was just like hey here's uh this guy came back to wrestling after seven years and uh, I want to watch this happen. And here's a man crying. And uh, well, that guy's going to be talked about a lot on this particular show, isn't he? <laughs> but if I think back to like, okay, what is wrestling like at its best? I mean, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10. That was really my number does one. Come to mind. Yeah, that was my absolute number one. It's just, I, I feel like second. it's a story, obviously, that I, I feel like anybody who's been a wrestling fan for a decent amount of time understands and, and is familiar with the story of that match. But it is just that such a simple concept of a brother being goaded into having this match with his younger brother that has a chip on his shoulder and has something to prove. It's such it's one of the most relatable stories in a general sense ever. It is still to this day, the best opening match in WrestleMania history still to this day. One of the best ma- you know, matches ever. Um, I'm glad that was our, our, our clear cut number one, because we did say out of the gates for this podcast that it's like, OK, we're two friends that both love wrestling. We're two massive Bret Hart nerds. So, yeah, most people who were informed probably should have expected that. I think, too, that whole buildup between uh, Brett and Owen, that program went on for a year, if not more. Uh, And it was just so well done. And so, like, it didn't feel like it went on for too long before, uh, spoiler alert, Owen turns heel. Mm. Out of the two of them, it's Owen. Um, And then how long they continued after that. And it was just fantastic. Um, yeah, they went from the end of 93 until the summer of 94. It was nearly a full year-long storyline. Yeah. It really started yeah. at Survivor Series 93. And it's in still... Perfect, perfect fashion, and then ended in really great fashion, too. And it still kind of reared its head every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And then, oh man, the, the, cre- the recreation of the Heart Foundation was just amazing with their interactions because you knew the history and that's that's kind of what i was talking about earlier about like don't forget where these wrestlers came from and the matches that they've had bring that up when they eventually bump into each other again that's something that i think aew has to do a little bit better um the number two for me wrestlemania 31 main event heist of the century Mm. As much as I'm not a big Brock Lesnar fan, as much as I'm not really a big Roman Reigns fan, that is one of the most amazing. uh, It's up there. And I always debate with myself, what is the top most amazing moment in professional wrestling? And it's between that one and Bash at the Beach, the formation of the NWO. And depending on what day you catch me on, it's either one or the other. You know, that did 
throw its name into the hat for my favorite WrestleMania moment ever. Um, I have to be completely honest. My favorite WrestleMania moment ever is one that we're not allowed to talk about anymore. Gotcha. Um, yep. I feel like that people like us will know exactly what moment I'm talking about now. Um, so it's it's been difficult to find a replacement. Who did he that. wrestle? <laughs> I don't remember uh, who he wanted from. Oh, that was uh, that was the Stephen Richards WrestleMania. As it's Steven been done. WrestleMania 20. Um, the end of... <laughs> I am referring to the end of WrestleMania 20 that we're not allowed to talk about anymore. And the meme online for years is that, oh, yeah, Steven Richards beat John Michaels and Triple H in the same night because that was a WWF No Mercy on N64 reference where Steven Richards was. Uh, it, it's, it's a whole to do crash. It's a whole to do. It's OK. I, OK, so you and I are talking about two different things because I thought oh. you were talking about the wrestler that we're not allowed to talk about. That's winning. what I am talking about. Yes. Oh, okay. Fair. Okay. Yeah. No, I that's think what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. So oh, like I that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. For yeah. the longest time was it. Um. God, now we we really just totally took over this as like favorite WrestleMania moment ever. Um, that match is up there for sure. Um. God damn. You I'm, know I'm what? Gonna stay, I'm gonna stay with Brett Owen. It's it's a really loaded question. Yeah, I think too. Can we set the ground rule? with this podcast being the second official episode um, that when we talk about that wrestler, we are only talking about the in-ring performance. And I know that like when you talk yeah. about Bill Cosby, you can't just say, well, he was a comedian and then he did other stuff. But when yeah. we talk about, and we may never even say his name, but when we talk about that wrestler, we are talking about how great of a person, sorry, that's not even it. How great of a professional wrestler he was up until he turned into a massive pile of shit. Yeah, I feel like we can we can lay that out as the yeah. uh, as as the ground rule. Um, he will not be named. <laughs> we'll literally refer to him as Voldemort. Yes, for the duration of this podcast. Slightly fitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So I I don't know. Like again, the original question: What match or matches do you think every fan? That wants to get into wrestling should watch. Like I always think of, and that was kind of my general point of bringing up Brett Nolan. I always think about the matches that do have the best stories attached yes. to them. There's fantastic, um, fantastic matches. I mean, uh, Trish Lita uh, main eventing the first females to main event Raw. Mm. I would say is up there back in the day. I mean, you don't get the women's revolution without Trish and, and Lita. Very true. Um, there's amazing tag team matches. There's amazing hardcore matches back in the Attitude Era. Yeah. Uh, there's amazing main events of WrestleMania. There's amazing first matches of WrestleMania. Uh, Edge's last match against Alberto Del Rio would be a fantastic one as far as I'm concerned. If you had that context of that was his last match until his next <laughs> first yeah. match. So like for me, like my mind goes to like in terms of like in-ring storytelling, like you could go with like Taker Brett at SummerSlam '97. Yep, because that was fantastic. You could go Sean and uh, Triple H at SummerSlam '02. I mean, the stories built in about how Shawn Michaels is coming back for the first time in four years. Um, had he actually stayed retired, I'd throw Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair into that conversation from yep. WrestleMania '24. A lot of different um, 
honestly a lot of different AEW matches, uh, coincidentally, uh, involving the likes of of the elites and honestly, like the the Young Bucks against uh, Omega and Hangman tag match from Revolution, not last year but the year before, like right before the pandemic, I think it was. Like those, that's when wrestling's at its best. When the in ring work is great, but the storytelling surrounding it is also at a high level. Like that's been because of that WrestleMania 10 match, like indoctrinated into me is like what I look for as a wrestling fan. I'm going to two bird one stone here. Uh, Kenny, anything involving Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. Fair. <laughs> that trios match that we had this past week, uh, especially the buildup. <laughs> Doesn't uh, that feel like it was six months ago already? Yes. Holy yes. hell. Um, just knowing the history between the two, the two are always synonymous with the Meltzer five stars. Um, and to be able to, it was really the first time that I got to see them live because I'll admit out of the two of us, I am very fickle when it comes to uh, wrestling. I've really only stayed North American. Uh, mm-hmm. There's only a few uh, overseas matches that didn't involve WWE uh, that I uh, have watched on uh, either live or uh, in in a recording or what have you in any other type of uh, format. And to see those two go at it and knowing their history and even seeing some of the stuff that AEW released heading into that match where yeah. Kenny Omega just tried his best to professionally, not what we're going to talk about later, but to professionally bury um, <laughs> Will Ospreay, um, just added to that rivalry and good lord what a match i want more will osprey i don't care how i get it i don't care whether it's uh i've got to look up more of his matches because i i, I, know ha- I have plenty of recommendations my friend <laughs> plenty been a fan yeah. of this for a and long time yeah to hear that he's done with aew for now uh yeah. sucks because mm. I, I do want to see more of him I genuinely subscribe to the idea that we're getting Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega this January for New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom. I, I sure as hell hope so. I just I, I genuinely think it's going to happen based off of what the relationship has been between those two companies. Thank you, by the way, to Taps for sending in that question that we sent into a couple of different directions. But welcome to this podcast. Uh, like I said, the mailbag option will always be up there on our Twitter. So make sure to check that out. I do want to move ahead into talking about AEW. Now, like I said, we covered all out on a match by match basis. Our, our thoughts, if you want to know what we thought about this match, this match, this match, that little recap, that little recap, that two hour recap show uh, that we had live streamed on Sunday night over on my Twitch channel, that is out there. Um, unfortunately, that's not the big talking point with AEW uh, today, yesterday, or, you know, super early Monday, you know, into the early morning hours on, on Monday. Um, I will mention, too, our original plan was to recap the essentially the OG all in. We were originally going to talk about that with the anniversary being there and, of course, all out having happened. Do not know. I do not know if we'll get to that event that took place four years ago. As of last week, um, we do still want to talk about it at some point, but this AEW conversation might go a little bit long. And then we'll see if uh, we, we do want to leave a little bit of time to talk about some WWE 
as well, especially, you know, with me actually paying attention to WWE now heavier than I have in the past, like, five years. So, at this point, we know as much as everyone else knows in terms of what has been put out there and um, what has been reported. At the end of the pay-per-view... AEW, as always, holds their presser. More often than not, it is in a more kayfabe sense. It's not always. Um, you know, I think you can tell by the rest of the presser, the way Chris Jericho talked in that press conference, you know, he's willing to be a little bit more open about things. Uh, and then you have someone like Swerve, who, for the most part, was pretty much healing it up in, in character. The biggest talking point, obviously, is CM Punk and his comments. Now, in terms of talking about what was said, right out of the gate, something that we did not know and how it was phrased to us Sunday night is that, oh, some guy asked about Colt Cabana and it set CM Punk off. That is not what happened. Um, and I think it was Denise Salcedo's uh, YouTube feed of this that really picked it up. Essentially, this guy was going to be asking the first question. Punk recognized him as someone that he has seen with Colt in the past. The guy said, not really. I'm not friends with the guy. We don't see eye to eye. So clearly, Punk already had this mindset and did not need much to finally say something. And I will say, the two of them, CM Punk and Cole Cabana have pretty much stayed quiet about one another over the past eight years. They have. Um, but CM Punk took the opportunity to indeed go off on Colt Cabana, explaining how their friendship fell apart, ex basically airing every bit of dirty laundry and what he felt clearly was his one opportunity to finally set the record straight. What the catalyst for this was, and the tipping point that we can now pretty much piece together, is that obviously for a very long time, he has been viewed as the asshole in that situation. That I think he can live with, because I think he knows people view him as the asshole in a lot of situations. But this is where the alleged heat between he and Hangman ties back in to all of this. So this whole thing that we're getting into, the blow-up, the fight that we did not know about Sunday night when we were talking, Crash, here is, here is essentially the timeline. Unless you have something to add at the top, and then I'll go over our little timeline here, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about it as we go along. Yeah, so basically, uh, I'm a dirt cheat guy. I like reading them sheets um and heading into all out there was a reoccurring theme of colt going to roh and cm punk having something to do with it so that's all right so here we'll, we'll get into it so it was what this past may right before double or nothing where it was the main event title match of Hangman defending against CM Punk. The go-home edition of that pay-per-view, the go-home Dynamite, sees this promo that has now become somewhat infamous of 
what we know now ticked CM Punk the fuck off, even if the majority of us didn't really view it that way. Essentially what had happened, and keep in mind, this is the same week, I do believe, as it's been said, this is the same week that Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out of the WWE. So CM Punk on Twitter that week had been saying, obviously, positive things. The term workers' rights had come up. Hangman in this promo, we believe CM Punk, maliciously went into business for himself and essentially called CM Punk's bluff of you talk about workers' rights, but I think and we think that you had something to do with Colt Cabana not being here anymore. Which led to CM Punk in this press conference on, or the scrum, essentially saying that that jeopardized the pay-per-view in a few ways. Crash, take over. So I watched this promo. I've watched this promo two or three times since Sunday. Yeah. And I even messaged you to say, what promo was it? Mm Because I've watched uh, Hangman's solo promos. I've watched Hangman's promos where he's face-to-face with CM Punk. And I didn't really see anything out of the ordinary uh, from what we've seen except for maybe Darby Allen. Darby didn't really lace into CM Punk but mm-hmm. everybody else had MJF, Eddie Kingston yeah, and that, and that was that big montage of promos that was going around on Twitter and on Reddit of how was this any different Right. So I didn't really see it as going into business for himself unless unless all the other ones were cleared and this one wasn't. Because as Which far is, as I'm concerned, the, the retaliation by CM Punk was a hell of a lot more going into business for himself than what Hangman Adam Page did. Because Hangman... The biggest line for me, he didn't even mention Colt Cabana. It's assumed. And it makes sense that we can think that it's about him. But at the end of the day, that name never came up. It sounds almost word for word to what was said by everybody else. We don't want you here. Nobody wants you here. Nobody in the back wants you here. You don't have that fighting spirit. You don't have the heart. I'm going to beat you for AEW. That's the theme that has been almost reoccurred and is almost getting tired when you watch them back to back. They've sorry to interrupt, but they have been essentially teasing what the viewers on television and only on television could presumably to a heel turn. Because last October, I always mention it. Somehow I've I've been at the dynamites where these events have taken place. But that promo Eddie Kingston cut on CM Punk in the start of that feud. And then, yeah, Eddie Kingston mentions like, yeah, nobody wants you here. It was kind of a recurring theme enough that you're like, okay, these people are going to be right and that Punk is going to turn heel. Obviously, people now can look back at those promos and be like, shit, how much of it was storyline? My understanding of this from what I've dissected is that pretty much like you mentioned, Punk viewed this moment as hangman going into him you know, going into business for himself 
and by essentially saying that Punk's a hypocrite, he doesn't care about workers' rights, it's your fault about Colt. So Punk in that instance is mad about two things. One, being blamed for the Colt Cabana side of things again. And two, the term jeopardizing AEW's first million dollar gate. A lot of people have interpreted that as he was threatening to not show up at Double or Nothing. I don't think that's the case. I read this as he thought that promo could have jeopardized Punk's standing as the number one babyface after that pay-per-view. The idea that here is Hangman as a babyface champion defending against the babyface, and you have Hangman essentially saying, no, this guy is a piece of shit. I can see Punk's standpoint on that if it wasn't cleared of you're trying to cut me off at the knees as the number one babyface of the company. I that. Does that justify what this situation has turned into? No. But if that is indeed how Punk and company viewed that, despite me being a massive fan of Adam Page, I can understand Punk's perspective on that side of it in a bubble. Yes. And, and where I was yesterday, I saw it as, and in the same promo, Punk, had a great a spiel about the roads you've traveled to get here i paved those mm. roads don't exist without me and when you really think about it did we really know a lot about roh until punk and samoa joe and uh brian danielson kind of put them i, I don't want to say on the map because again as a fickle fan i was aware of roh but it wasn't until those guys started doing what they did for that company. That was where things really started to, to pick up for them as far as my vantage point. So here's Hangman Adam Page, who hasn't really put together the resume as everybody else other than Darby Allen. When, when he came in, when Punk came in, and it's Darby is his first match. Um... I thought that was great. I thought that that's what we were going to get out of Punk. He was going to elevate the guys that need that. MJF mm -hmm. is a perfect example that yeah. he was the whiny little bitch and now he is a full-fledged heel and I love it and I don't think he gets there without Punk. Hangman Adam Page my thoughts of him about all of this was you really didn't put together the resume to stand in that ring and say what you said to CM Punk. My thoughts have changed since, but I could easily see that being the reaction of CM Punk in that moment. So, obviously, between that pay-per-view, Punk gets injured the first event after the pay-per-view and is gone. So presumably in the time that Punk gets hurt at that first Dynamite after winning the title and comes back, that's a dark timeline that none of us know. We don't right. know what was said, what was asked. Did someone ask for an apology at that point? Did they have conversations? Who the hell knows? That's not worth speculating on, really, because at the end of the day, it's very clear that whatever frustration and anger was still there continued to be there. It leads to Punk essentially 
making Hangman look like a fucking coward on live television with an unplanned call out. And then, of course, the line of the uh, what the apology better be as as loud as the disrespect. Yep. Yep. So then obviously, you know that this situation still ongoing and people are like, why? What is what is the point? And, you know, Punk made it clear as well. Like there was an interview that Hangman did where he kind of mentioned that, um, you know, basically there was something along the lines of taking advice from veterans and him mentioning that he had done pretty well as it was. Like, Bottom line, there was something there in regards to AEW talents, him specifically in terms of how much advice they take that Punk also took offense to, I believe, because his name was brought up there. So this just kept boiling up this mm-hmm. entire time. For those who only watch television, it's like, okay, CM Punk's still mad at Hangman, even though he beat him, whatever. Those who, you know, are really plugged into the wrestling scene kind of know, like, okay, there's still something going on there between those two. It's kind of weird. It's CM Punk being CM Punk, maybe. And then that leads to Sunday night, where, of course, again, not only does Punk go off about Cole Cabana and everything that happened there, he goes off about the EVPs, which we know who he's talking about. It's Kenny Omega. It's the Young Bucks. Cody, of course, previously in that role as well, and goes off about Hangman. So him talking about Adam Page, not necessarily that surprising. Him going after Omega and the Bucks as the source of these leaks, as I think these are the guys who kept putting it out there that uh, uh, Punk, Punk's the reason Colt's not here anymore. Uh, you now have since had the likes of Meltzer and Brian Alvarez saying, uh, yeah, no, we never heard that from these guys. But Punk essentially saying that uh, we don't exactly have a tight ship here. The, mm-hmm. the line of feeling like those three couldn't manage a target is about as well fucking hilarious is a is about and look it's no disrespect to people who manage a target you have my respect I wouldn't want to fucking work retail um I have worked retail I don't want to fucking work retail again um it, it's just that idea of if you just put Colt Cabana on blast it would have been a news story. You're going after Hangman. It's more of a news story. You're going after the Bucks and Omega, and you think this is at a 10 out of 10. And then it takes that next step afterwards. So, Crash, correct me if I'm wrong before we talk about what we apparently know about the fight. Have I missed anything in regards to kind of the buildup of the press conference itself? I, I think the one thing that I want to highlight and I'm I'm trying to decide how much because I know sooner or later we'll we'll get, you know, okay, so how do we feel about it now? So I'm 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 holding off a little bit of this. Yes. But I am starting to believe that Tony Khan is in way over his head. Only for the fact that he sat there. I believe his comment about uh, Labor Day and WWE happened before that. 
so he after yeah that's its own separate thing where tony khan afterwards clearly voiced his fucking displeasure (laughs) at the wwe running two events the same weekend one on the same day and essentially the disrespect he's felt from them in regards to what he considers counter-programming that was its own separate thing where he's been memed to death because no disrespect to tony khan but the level of animation he brings when he gets pissed off is genuinely hilarious to watch. Yes. So you are the head figure of this company. You have allowed your poster boy, I'm using quotation fingers because this Mm -hmm. is audio. (laughs) You've let your poster boy rant about the guys you've put in place to run your company you were the owner the name of their group is literally the second initial of the company (laughs) right but to be fair aew doesn't exist without kenny without the young bucks without cody rhodes Mm -hmm. without chris jericho they didn't need cm punk so to have cm punk sit right beside you rip into your entire company basically and you just sat there and the only thing that came out of your mouth during his entire rant was oh i could have apologized i could have put a statement out i should have said no comment before like right after you asked the question yeah yes no what you should have done is unplugged his mic and told him to get into the dressing room and handle it yourself but you are a child you, the, Tony Khan is an absolute child who is basically playing with his action figures at this point. That's how I see it. I think he's a good businessman. He's got a hell of a lot more money than I do. But how he handled that press conference was absolutely inappropriate for somebody in his position. Yes. Yeah, he comes off looking horrific in this. 100%. He's... Just- he's- as responsible as anybody in all of this for allowing it to continue for as long as it did. And basically, listen, I don't like comparing anything to 9-11, but is he reading a school book to a bunch of children <laughs> at this point? <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that, but he did have that deer in the headlights. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to kind of sit here. Reaction. Right. Knowing what we know now, I don't care what Swerve had to say. I don't care what Chris Jericho had to say. In fact, this may have actually gone over smoother and maybe had less to talk about had you ended the press conference five minutes in. Yeah. No, I agree with that, especially because he wouldn't have learned from Chris Jericho that a fight took place. He had no idea. He was still on deck for this press conference. So that is definitely one aspect that I was going to kind of bring us towards is just every person involved, kind of what the scenario looks like for them now. And yeah, we kind of covered Tony Khan right there. Like I, I do find him to be a very interesting person. Um, Tony Khan needs to be a silent partner in all of this. He is a little bit too involved yes. at this stage. 
the idea that look this has been brought up a lot in the idea and obviously we've mentioned it like there was a fight after this and we're getting to that yes obviously there's a lot of new fans who are like this would never happen in wwe which is obviously fucking hilarious happened the weekly. idea that nobody ever fought in the wwe locker room the idea that nobody ever fought in the wcw locker room for all the but people here's, being here's like, the difference though nobody ever fought nobody's gonna fight triple h right now nobody back in the day ever fought vince mcmahon well, that's nope, what I was. Well, yes, I mean, sure, Bret Hart uppercutted him. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was nails choked him. Well, yeah, and then he got fired. So, like yes. immediately, or yes. Ultimate Warrior before SummerSlam said in his uh, in his dressing room, "I'm not going out there until you pay me more." So it was either Ultimate Warrior was going to get fired, or Vince understood the paycheck that he was going to get if Warrior went out and paid him to go out. Yeah. Right. So, right. Like, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And, and to my point, before I lose that train of thought, yes, fights hap- happen yes. in a pro wrestling locker room. They always have. They always will. It happens. It's not a oh, it wouldn't happen in this company thing. Drop the fucking company comparison bullshit in this mm-hmm. instance. Drop it because you just look stupid. Um, you know the idea of people being like, "This was WCW as hell." I don't think those people are old enough to remember WCW at its worst because no, um, Tony Khan's not on T- Tony Khan's not on dynamite talking to psycho Sid about how he tried to stab Paul Orndorff with a pair of scissors or Aaron Fair. Anderson with a pair of scissors. Like Jesus Christ. It's not that bad. It's, it's not a great situation, but Tony Khan is not Vince McMahon. True. I do agree in a sense that this fight happens in a Vince McMahon locker room. Vince McMahon also does not allow Punk to do what he did at that press conference like Tony Khan did. There are differences in in the leadership there, and I'm intrigued now to see if Tony Khan can do a real Vince McMahon thing of, oh, let's get uh, Brett and Sean to work together now because people know and there's a lot of money to be made here. Let's get Matt Hardy and Edge to work together right now. Don't you fucking two try anything. You're going to go out there and make me a fuckload of money. We'll see how Tony Khan handles the situation from here. But no, for sure. Tony Khan looks absolutely terrible here. Um, the only reaction online has been questioning him as a leader and as the man in charge. It's just he looks horrible after yes. Sunday night. I, I will give a little bit of credit to the WCW comparison because right now, there is a feeling of the inmates running the asylum, not to the extent of WCW because that ended that company. But you have it's reminiscent. You have wrestlers running your show who. I don't know if deservedly book themselves as the first ever champions of the trios like who who are we benefiting here? Is it benefiting the entire company or is it benefiting you? question mark i i don't view the idea of the uh of the elite winning the trios titles as uh nepotism necessarily you got to factor in they are still three of the most over people in the company and whoever they feud with will benefit from it on top of that again the second letter in the company name the company is built around these three and hangman and jericho and it's just you know i, I, just, I don't view that I don't view it as Vince McMahon putting the WWF title on himself in 99. 
fair, but on the same token, we don't really have too much comparison outside of that either of this happening with almost any company other than uh, you won't get this reference, but the Stampeders were bought by a guy. Um, I think his last name was Torek. And the only reason he bought the Stampeders was to give his son the starting quarterback job. It's CFL. I get how important this is. And I'm not trying to say that the AEW is the CFL of professional wrestling by any stretch of the imagination. My point being is your top guys are still booking themselves in, in pretty good positions whereas whereas cody cody basically like day one i don't know if it was him or whether it was anybody else but put the stipulation that he won't go after the heavyweight title because aew when it really first ran was cody Rhodes. my understanding of the booking of that company is that after the early days tony khan essentially took command so yeah in terms of how, like, obviously they're going to have influence in what happens, but yes. Tony Khan does have the the end word, essentially. But I, um, I will agree that they are, as far as tag teams go, Young Bucks are up there. As far as singles wrestlers, I don't think you get anybody higher than Kenny Omega. But as I uh, talked about on the live, um, you know, those guys should be in a position to put everybody else over at this point. But then again, you can't do that without winning yourself. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll step back a little bit. All right. So let's go back to the press conference then. Because <laughs> as I said, everybody, welcome to this podcast. We'll get all over the place on occasion. Um, end of Tony Khan looks terrible. We can both agree yes. on that. I think everyone can agree on that. What well, happens I'll, while he's still up there? Go he's, ahead. He's, he's never looked better. <laughs> <laughs> What happens while he's still up there is up to the interpretation of essentially who was there and what their personal bias might be. And that's where the conflict is. Right. Um, there are some who say that the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega went to CM Punk's locker room and had a discussion that turned physical. There's the CM Punk a steel camp that has now essentially said that they essentially would not leave, kept knocking at the door, kicking at the door, kicked the door down. All of that, we don't know. Right. But what we do know is that there was a physical confrontation between CM Punk, A Steel, and the three members of the elite that were there with conflicting reports about chairs and Kenny Omega getting bitten by A Steel. And Punk, is is he injured? Did he fuck up his elbow in the match and make it worse in the fight? Did he throw the first set of punches at Matt Jackson? Like, just, it's all of those crazy details that you, you have to be completely honest here. For the most part, those details and what truly happened will be lost to time. This yes. is the modern-day equivalent of Bret Hart uppercutting Vince McMahon in Montreal in 1997. You were going to have both sides to say this is how it went down and the truth is likely somewhere in the middle, but we will never 100% know for sure exactly what happened. But the bottom line is at the base element boiled down, CM Punk, the AEW world champion, after going on a tirade in this media scrum that he clearly felt was necessary 
went on to get in a fight with three of the other biggest acts, most important acts, founding members of that company with titles of executive vice president. So in terms of talking about what this means for all those involved, we can start, I would say, on the side of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Because this is also been like this has also been a, a point of, of conversation and debate that I have seen now in the past couple of days is whether or not they made the right decision then and there to go and try to have a discussion with CM Punk. I get in the press conference, the scrum that CM Punk literally says, if you have literally verbatim, if you have a fucking problem, come talk to me. I there was I, a tweet that I saw that the most CM Punk thing that could have happened was CM Punk said, come and find me and then lock the door. <laughs> Again, um, it's it's honestly both sides there from fans of both sides, both camps, because it exists. Uh, it's it's essentially been attempted character assassination on both sides. <laughs> Um, yeah, obviously, and- CM Punk has a little bit more of a history of contention, but if you ask certain people, um, Omega, the Young Bucks and company are the fucking modern day version of the clique, keeping everyone down and only interested in themselves. I've seen that being thrown around from the perspective of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Do you make the right decision to go and have a conversation? Yes. Did you pick the right place in time? No, no, no. You, I, I understand if they were fucking furious. That is totally understandable. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, what an unprofessional decision. Like, I get it. Heat of the moment. You're fired up. This guy just motherfucked you on a fucking press conference. And you're going to walk into that locker room and listen here, motherfucker, right back at him. I get that. You gotta somehow, some way, somebody in that situation needs to be the cooler head in that situation because I'm not saying they're necessarily at fault. Much like I said, with CM Punk, I can understand where that frustration from the Hangman promo might come through based off of how he read it Mm -hmm. and how Punk assessed it. I can understand the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega being fucking furious after what they just watched. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that is the worst decision you have ever made is going into that locker room and trying to have that conversation right then and right there. And that is a factor in this is in terms of the leadership of the company, Tony Khan, terrible decision making on the night. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, terrible fucking decision making on the night. It's that's just the God's honest truth. No matter how big of a fan I am of them, no matter how much money I've given to them. Yep. And we'll get to CM Punk because he's not innocent in this either. No. But God awful decision making by Omega and the Young Bucks on Sunday night. So there were also reports. There's a few reports that I think we can absolutely clear up. Hangman Adam Page had left he, he and was FDR not had both left they were specifically mentioned because obviously right. the intrigue surrounding the three of them god could you imagine ftr still being there <laughs> after after how fucking uh 
Cash punch that dude who tackled Bret Hart at the Hall of yep. Fame. Yeah, yep. I'm not getting into a fist fight with that guy. Fuck that. Um, there's there was also reports that there were some higher ups that threatened to leave. Yes. Also, there's speculation that it was the Young Bucks. Here's so I'm I'm probably going to echo in a different voice or in a different tone. Uh, what you said, I absolutely agree with everything that you've said. Uh, you did mention the whole professionalism of it. I agree with everything you said except for... And I, I don't think you meant to push aside the professionalism. But this is your company. So I get why you potentially knocked down a door because somebody just spat on it. Yeah. But also, I agree with you that as the leaders of this company, you have to have that cooler head... And you have to have that conversation for the betterment of the company. Kenny Omega? Like, it uh, has to be... uh, Phil, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Let's get to Buffalo five hours before the show. Let's sit down and talk and fucking settle this, because this is too much. Yep. Uh, 100%. Or, and I know we've piled on Tony Khan... A decision should have been made by now. Yeah. 24 hours later. It should have been made that night. Because now we've had too much time to speculate. We still don't know. Like, what if nothing? What if nothing comes of this? There's (laughs) a chance. Right. That's the thing, though. There is a chance because there is that precedent in wrestling. Now, look, people are furious for the idea that what if a steel should be fired? I think, I think he's done. I think there yeah. was some reports earlier today that he is done with AEW. I was going to refer to those, too, because Meltzer, Alvarez, everybody basically said, like, oh, there could be some legal stuff that they're trying to sort through. Same reason as to why, like, the Buffalo Bills might not have immediately cut that punter. Um, you know, you do have some legal stuff to sort through before you can make super, you know, I don't want to say rash decisions, but you get what Fair. I mean. Um, yeah. You know, it. it I, I get what you mean in terms of like, how has A-Steel not been fired? Well, you fire a steel. What's CM Punk going to think? You have the Young Bucks. If you suspend them, what if you don't suspend them? You have the factoring of Eddie Kingston coming off the suspension from apparently pie facing Sammy Guevara backstage after an now unaired promo where he Guevara said something that Kingston thought was essentially burying him and detrimental to the match. Um, you know, it, it's just all those different things that people like to pretend essentially that. There are different, you know, rules for thee, not for me. But like in terms of star power in wrestling, that's how it works. Brett and Sean got in a fight in the locker room. They were still on the road. It's not like they got suspended. Like the bottom line is, yeah, there is a chance that there will be no suspension, no firing for CM Punk, for the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega as compared to Eddie Kingston. But the fact of the matter is, I fucking love Eddie Kingston. Who's more valuable to the company? The four guys I just mentioned or Eddie Kingston? <laughs> there are different rules for different people. That's just that is the shitty fact of life. That the sooner I think you you come to terms with that as a person, the easier life can be. Is that there are just certain fucking people who can get away with and do shit that you fucking can't. Welcome right. to life. Here's here's the other thing to go off of the uh, the young bucks being involved in this. A statement from. The executive should have come out that night. We're looking into it. It, you know, 
at least, um, not suggest, but at least acknowledge something happened. That they're looking into it, and once they've done their investigation, or once they've gotten all of the facts, then, you know, they'll come out with another statement. The fact that the Young Bucks were involved, basically that, that statement can't come from them. It can't come from Kenny Omega, because he's involved. Yeah. It should have been Tony Khan releasing yep. some sort of statement that night, Monday. It's now nine o'clock local time here. It's eleven o'clock where Tugi is on Tuesday. Still haven't seen it. Now Complete I get, lack of damage control. Yes. Yeah. This and again, I I will give credit to the people who talk about that this is very it's I just I'm blowing my own mind that I messaged you that this had a vibe of like late 90s, early 2000s WCW. Like the whole pay-per-view felt like just the the aesthetic and the the pacing and everything really felt like a, a and I'm I'm not disparaging disparaging WCW at that time, but just I was getting some really uh like the um the Eddie Ray match at Halloween Havoc like that kind of feel was where that pay-per-view was kind of going. And I, I remember messaging you like, this feels like a WCW pay-per-view. Little oh. did we know a few hours later, <laughs> we were getting the, uh, again, I'll, I'll say it again, the, uh, the inmates running the asylum. So, so from the perspective of the, the elite, as we will call them, could have handled things a lot better. Yes. Um, obviously the idea of, them potentially putting forth an ultimatum of him versus us would put that that is an entirely I'm trying to think of how to phrase this that's an entirely different conversation to have the hypothetical situation at least as we know it right now but the hypothetical of if the elite say it's punk or us and if it's if it's him we're fucking out and what that could do to the company and all of that. People have been having that conversation. I don't think it's worth having that conversation right here, right now. I don't. Um, Just really one, quickly with the ramifications yeah. would be astonishing, obviously. Yes, really quickly with that, though, because I have been thinking about that all day. They're <laughs> under contract. Yes. So they, they can't leave unless they want to buy out their contract and their interest in AEW. But the flip side to that, your Triple H, your New Japan, your Impact, your... Well, I was going to say ROH, but that's still AEW now. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you're one of those, the other big three. I'm using quotation fingers again because I don't really think Impact is one of the big three. <laughs> um, who would you rather have on your roster right now, the Young Bucks or CM Punk? The... If oh, you're for WWE, me right now? If you're WWE, right it's CM Punk. Nah. No, the merch, the merch CM Punk would move day one of WWE shop, putting up a CM Punk T-shirt and he's back on Raw would outsell the Young Bucks I'd, for a month, for, for a, a month. month, for a month. I do obviously I'm, more sustained. You would want the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega by. Do you want the headaches of Phil Brooks or do you want <laughs> the visionary and the. And I, I'm not trying to put him on a huge pedestal, but the Young Bucks right now is the change that CM Punk has been preaching pre his seven year hiatus 
and post his seven-year hiatus. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, what they did, and we'll give Cody Rhodes his fair share, that is the change that he wanted, and he has come in and disrupted it. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, that is just, in terms of what that would mean for the wrestling business as a whole, too large of a conversation to have today. Fair. Obviously, we wait to see what happens in terms of like an official announcement regarding a suspension um, for either the Bucks or Omega, or if it is just going to not necessarily blow over, but if they're going to be able to make things work. Here's, um, here's but, what I see is those three come out and actually address their involvement on camera. Because it is their company. Until the, well, I don't see that unless they smooth it over. If they smooth it over, 100%, this will be turned into a money-making program on television. I, I still think that there's somewhere where they could come out and sit, like at least apologizing to the company and the fans, not necessarily <sighs> to, to CM Punk. The reason why I don't, I don't see that as happening or worth it. Yeah. Not everybody that watches TV knows this happened. I put it this way. My fiance, for example, watches dynamite with me every week. I have intentionally not brought it up to see if the news would get to her. It hasn't. Fair. Interesting. So it's just, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, Yes, a gigantic part of AEW's audience is super, super, super plugged into everything that's happening, but it's not everybody. I just, I don't know if this is this part of professional wrestling, whether or not it's not brought up on, I I get why they wouldn't, but I, I don't know if they shouldn't bring up something. And and leave it to Shivani and Jim Ross and leave it at that then. Well, you're going to have to say something tomorrow if your new world champion and first ever trios champions are not on television the first show after winning their belts. Which they that won't. That is going to have to be addressed in some way, shape, or form. Yes. And so, leave it to the pros. Yeah. So, Tony Khan perspective, pretty poorly handled. Yeah. Young Bucks, Kenny Omega perspective. Understandable, still poorly handled. Correct. The A Steel perspective. <laughs> you believe the word coming from those kind of on their side or their outright camp that CM Punk's dog was in his locker room. A Steel's wife is watching the dog. And then A Steel kind of has his part in the fracas as has been coined uh because he viewed it as fuck you i'm defending my wife at the same time good for a steel having i i like i like they steal on the indies but good for him for having the most relevant week of his entire career um <laughs> holy fuck more like the most relevant day because honestly when he came out i didn't know who he was i actually had to look it up and and get the history so so in, in regards to all of that, though, like, obviously, you have that conversation of, well, what happens to him? He is the most expendable member of this. But at the same time, he is obviously so inherently linked to CM Punk as one of his best friends, as his trainer, as someone who is in this locker room in an agency role 
there is obviously a, going to need to be a discussion there in regards to how that is handled, because if you just outright say a steals fucking fired, obviously CM Punk's not going to be very happy about that. And the people who, you know, online within the company itself, within that part of the locker room are going to view it as how can you fire this guy when here's this reason, this reason, this reason as to why we think he was in the right. And obviously the other side will say, you're out of your fucking mind. How the hell do you think he was in the right? Which is pretty much the same thing that's being said about punk is. And like I said, at the start of this, like, look, I can understand his perspective from what we've been able to piece together about why he would have been pissed at hangman. Mm -hmm. Was he right to view it that way? Maybe, maybe not. It's very clear there were no healthy conversations that had been had leading up to that. All of this leads up to this blowing off, you know, point. And did he do the right thing, the most professional thing, while demanding professionalism from others? Absolutely not. Of course, that was hypocritical. That's the only way to view that, in my opinion. Of course, what he did was hypocritical. Then you have his part in terms of this locker room fight. And obviously, again, an unprofessional thing to do. He's going to view it as uh, I was fucking defending myself. Like, that's when you get down to it of like, it's he said, she said, essentially. Yeah. At this point, the bottom line is the AEW world champion got into a fight with three of the most important people in that company. The company that wouldn't exist without those three people and a few others, as you mentioned. After going on a tirade at a media scrum. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there are numerous different outcomes to this. That could happen. CM Punk gets fired. CM Punk doesn't get fired. A Steel gets fired. He doesn't get fired. The elite quit. The elite don't quit. We're just in that point of we don't know what's happening next, which is why fans like us spent all fucking day refreshing social media again because we're waiting like what the fuck the bottom line is the initial this is what the shock would have been if twitter and reddit existed in 1997 we have never had an experience like this as wrestling fans with the modern tools that we have in society to experience it in the way that we are this is one of the biggest stories in modern times obviously 2022 in general has been a fucking gigantic year with vince mcmahon finally being out of the wwe it's just right now you can't speak in certainties for me and i'll I'll pose this to you in a second as well for me there's the what i hope for and the what i think will happen (sighs) genuinely what i hope for is what's best for the company And that is that cooler heads fucking prevail. You turn this into a gigantic fucking money making angle. And then you just fucking say as adults, respectfully, fuck you. Let's stay out of each other's way and make sure that I'm making a fuckload of money. You're making a fuckload of money. The boys are making a fuckload of money. End of. Is there going to have to be a sacrificial lamb in this? Probably. Does it seem like it would be Ace Steel if it's going to be anybody? Yeah, because Ace Steel's not CM Punk and he's not one of the members of the elite. In terms of what I think is going to happen, pretty much that. 
there might be a, a week like this Wednesday. They might not be on TV. I would genuinely be shocked if next week we are talking about CM Punk quit AEW or the elite are saying we're not coming back till that fucking guy's gone. I would genuinely be shocked if it gets to that point because for the most part, cooler heads do tend to prevail in situations like this or at the very least companies tend to make the best of situations like this. As far as I'm concerned, Ace Steel is Triple H after the curtain call. Oof, good comparison. He is the only one that can be fired in this situation. Yeah. Because I agree with you what you said earlier. Um, CM Punk sells merchandise. CM Punk has shown flashes of his former self in the ring. He's captivating. He has shown that he can elevate... Uh, whoever's in the ring, either on microphone or in a match. You are not going to fire Kenny Omega. You are not going to fire the Young Bucks because, as you've said many times, their name is in your company's name. Mm. A Steel is Triple H after the curtain call. But in this instance, he is the one that you can fire. Honestly, I don't don't even know as a way, as a favor to Punk to try and smooth things over. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, Ace, go home. I will pay you for as long as your contract is there, but go home. We can't have you here. That shows the wrong precedence. It shows the wrong precedence to to anybody else. That's the problem, right? Is the interpretation, the different interpretations that people have based off of what happens and doesn't in the aftermath of this. It's fucking nuts. So I alluded to this earlier. Watching those promos that you that we have mentioned, the Eddie Kingston, the Mox, the Hangman Page, the MJF, watching that clip back to back, I feel absolutely stupid today for not putting that together because the reset button was always there. He finished with Mox or uh, he finished with uh, Kingston and moved on and it was clean slate. He's got a new opponent. New opponent said the same thing. But it, because it was a new opponent, it felt like a reset button and it didn't really sink in until we watched it back to back. That's why I posed the question earlier. I agree. Merch. Merch numbers are as important as ticket sales. Attitude doesn't necessarily mean whether you stay or you go as long as you're making the company money. <coughs> Sean Michaels. <coughs> yeah, right. So... You know, honestly, to that point, though, sorry to cut you off. Yep. Big part of Shawn Michaels not getting suspended or fired, he'd go to WCW. Can't have yep. that. Yep. Same thing with same thing with like, oh, what are we going to do? Fucking punish the elite. They'll just go to WWE. We can't fucking have that. That's a kill shot. Oh, and they would go with Triple H right now. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't go with Vince, but they would go with Triple H. Mm-hmm. So do I believe that Punk is in trouble right now? To lose his job? Yes. Do I think it will happen? Yes? Question mark? Do I think that... Yes. Do I think WWE would snatch him up as soon as they could? I don't know. Because one of the catalysts... I get best for business. I get that whole thing and, and 
you know, as much as it was like a tagline for an era, I I don't know if Triple H would jeopardize what he's got going on right now with what he's trying to build by bringing in a CM Punk into that. Let me say this. This idea just popped into my head, and I want this on a Twitter clip, buddy. Yep. I think CM Punk gets fired. He does go back to WWE. For this reason. What's the rumored WrestleMania main event next April? Rock Roman Reigns. Rock and Roman Reigns. If it's a two-night mania, you know what would serve really well for one of the night's main events? Something that can't happen. Cody Rhodes against CM Punk. I thought you were going to drop Triple H, and I'm like, he can't get in there. He can't. He can't. But the idea of AEW fires CM Punk, you bring him in as a heel, and then WrestleMania time... You weave in the guy AEW fired versus the former EVP that left the company. You think Triple H wouldn't fucking do that and make a boatload of cash while laughing in Tony Khan's face? I still feel like as you know, I mean, you can only have so much of a read on on a performer as a, as a person as we do in terms of, you know, the, the disconnect. Like we don't actually know Paul Levesque or anything like that. But from everything you kind of heard about him, I think he'd love that personally. I don't know if you noticed the tone of Tugi's voice through the past 45 seconds, but that's because he can see my jaw just dropped. <laughs> here's here's why it won't happen. I love it. I absolutely love it. As I've said many times, I love chaos. Here's why it won't happen. Hogan Warrior in WCW. Now, those are two crazy, like, just off the rocker personalities that should have never have gotten in the ring again but it just uh, i i don't okay i want to see it because of what you just alluded to but i don't want to see it and i think the reason why cody rhodes was snatched up as soon as he was was because there is a long-term payoff with cody rhodes there is no more long-term I mean, we're seeing it right now with the potential of an injury to CM Punk. Um, we're seeing it with the potential. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. Sooner or later, CM Punk's attitude is going to bite him in the ass. Mm. He's not the voice of the voiceless anymore. He's the voice of what you can't hear. <laughs> we don't know what he's saying behind. We don't know how much he's getting paid. We don't know. We love the character of CM Punk because... He's fighting for change in professional wrestling still. And he's there for the fans. I still love moxing. We both know you're only here because you ran out of money. <laughs> I thought that was the best chirp out of anything that we've seen so far. I, I just... After sitting on this for 48 hours, I... I'm done with CM Punk. Because he is the catalyst for so many issues. We've seen him take his ball and go home. We've seen him say, woe is me, when he pokes the bear. There's there's just so many different instances. And then when it doesn't go his way, he plays victim. And we, and we don't know what to believe. But sooner or later, like, I don't see the different situations he's got himself into with different people 
being the other people's fault when the result is seems to be the same and there's only one constant. It's the old saying that a lot of people have brought up recently. If you run into uh if you run into someone and they're an asshole, well they're an asshole. If you run into assholes all day, you're probably the asshole. Right. Right. And he's so, the one trying to change everything, yet you know, if if you keep hearing one person complain about things and people come up and it's different people suggesting different things and trying to help and you still get the same fight and pushback. You know, who's who's the one that you really need to be listening to? The guy who keeps complaining about change but won't accept it? Or all the people around trying to help or trying to be a part of or trying to point out the, the distractions and, and the issues and you don't listen to it? I, I, I don't know how... I, mean, I know it's not coming across all that clear, but on the same token, I don't know how to put it any clearer. Like, I think CM Punk is the problem at this point. And I, I hate it because I was one of the guys who got goosebumps when he came back. I was one of the goose. I got goosebumps when he cashed in the first time in WWE. I loved the fact that he ran out of Chicago with the WWE heavyweight title beating John Cena. There's so much about Phil Brooks that professional wrestling should be, but there's so much about professional wrestling that Phil Brooks is and what we've seen about professional wrestling over the past 10 to 20 years. He is... I'm starting to believe that he is the epitome of everything that professional wrestling shouldn't be in where we're at right now. And like I said before, AEW is the change that CM Punk, the character, has been asking for and pushing for over the past couple of years. And he is there screwing it up. At the end of this, the only... Based off of everything that we know now, and I will say, if something drastic happens, we'll probably have a show later in the week instead of next Tuesday. Um, maybe we do a show on Thursday talking about Dynamite if it's that explosive. No pun intended. The bottom line is it's it's just disheartening and disappointing. You know, um, yeah. I was a fan of Kenny Omega from before his New Japan days. Like, you know, I was... A huge Ring of Honor fan for a long time. I remember seeing him super early on. Um, God, I still have a DVD somewhere. He had, I think, a pre-show match against like Silas Young or some shit like that. Like I've been a fan of Kenny Omega's for a long time. I've been a fan of the Young Bucks for a long time. I've been a fan of CM Punk for a very fucking long time. And just the idea that you look back 13 months ago, CM Punk's return in Chicago... And what it felt like that was going to signify. And for a while, it did. With really strong growth rates for the company. And just in general, things getting things getting better. And that, that strong upwards trajectory for the most part. You know, just that idea of what it felt like it should have been. And then 13 months later... You end up in this situation here where it's just gone so sour. It's just disheartening. Like, I, you know, I'll make no jokes about it. Like, yeah, AEW is my favorite company right now. It has been. 
Um, I've supported the company. I will continue to support the company. It's just disheartening that something that should have been such an overwhelming positive just isn't at this stage. It's it's just one of those <laughs> like a slow motion car crash almost. And you're just like, don't let it end like it looks like it's going to end. And here we are and we don't know how it's going to end. But right now it, it's it's not looking good. And none of us can and look away either. None of us can do anything about it either. Like you're literally helpless yeah. just to watch yeah. whatever the hell the outcome is going to be. I think we're I will. I assume leave it <laughs> is. Yes. I will leave it with this. He should have known better. And that is directed to practically everybody involved. He Perfect. should have absolutely have known better. Yes. So with that, to round out the show, how about a quick two to three minute recap of WWE Clash at the Castle? Um, the event that I watched because of Crash Andrews, but an event that Crash Andrews never got around to watching. <laughs> I'm, I've got kids. No, you know what? I, I just, I didn't have the appetite to go back and watch it after everything with AEW. And I will, I will absolutely take the blame. I could have sat down and watched it or whatever, but with everything, uh, I had planned to watch it after. But obviously, nothing that I could have watched on WWE from all the results that I read, from hearing uh, how it was from uh, Tugi, nothing could have really... It would have been a waste of three hours compared to not only the wrestling and the show all out, we have sympathy for the devil, pun completely intended, um, <laughs> after All Out. And then everything after All Out. I just, I didn't, I wanted to for the podcast, but I just, I didn't have, I didn't have it. But I, I, I'm familiar and I, I, as I've stated before, like I've got a pretty good feel of how the show went without actually watching it. So, in general here, then, didn't watch the pre-show match. Uh, damage control. Bailey, Dakota Kai, Eosky over Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka was fine. It was fine. Like, yep. you have some very, very talented professional wrestlers in that match. It was fine. And obviously setting up for more storytelling. It was fine. Gunther and Sheamus. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. In my prediction, I, I chose damage control mainly because they were the group that needed to be established and they put yes. the right three people across the ring from them to establish them as the heel faction in the women's division. Agreed. Gunther and Sheamus, pretty damn good, man. Like, I gotta be honest, my expectations were almost a little bit higher. Um, and I thought, I honestly thought I learned my lesson, right? Like, you remember when we got AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania? Yep. Now, obviously, for fans like myself that saw the Wrestle Kingdom match from New Japan, we're like, oh, fuck. And then it was fine because it was WWE style. Yes. For a for a WWE style, super hard hitting match between Gunther and Sheamus, you probably can't get any better than what this was. I still like I I'm sorry, but I do end up comparing it to some of the other super hard hitting matches I've seen from elsewhere, and you know, the Gunther slash Falter included. Um, it doesn't quite measure up to those, but this was very, very good and my favorite thing from this show. We 
are spoiled probably with the best in-ring work that Sheamus has been able to put together in quite a while because of injuries, because, I mean, father time is might be catching up to him. His stuff as a young buck, uh, working the ranks and, and getting to the WWE champion early in his career, I don't think pale or I don't think compares to what he's been able to put out there. And again, my, my prediction was that Gunther was going to win, mainly because they put the right guy to help establish him as a monster on the other side. Somebody who could beat him up, but actually take the loss and actually look better for taking the loss. Uh, yeah. And Sheamus, from what I understand, did that fantastically. Yeah, proven by a standing ovation afterwards. Um, and I'll say about him, like, he as a, a, a well-established, like, Triple H guy could just rest on his laurels over the past couple of years and just coast through the rest of his career and make a shitload of money, no problem. No, he has increasingly gotten better. You know, the guy's 44 years old right now. He has only gotten better since he debuted on the main roster back in 2009. So I give him all the credit in the world. I got a feeling we've got a, uh, a Mark Henry run coming up with Sheamus. Like something where okay you think that it. he's something that he's done. He's he's letting it, you know, that, like you said, he's going to rest on his morals or laurels. And then uh, out of nowhere, we get this absolute monster out of uh, Sheamus and uh, and a good title run coming. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens in the next one to two years. Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler for the women's title. Right person won this as they're trying to rehab Liv Morgan's women's title run. Again, it was fine. Um, unfortunately, this weekend between AEW, I didn't watch NXT, but from what I heard of NXT and WWE-wise, none of the uh, women's matches really set the world on fire, unfortunately, despite having, I think, the potential to do so with the talent involved. Yes. This this match, I was kind of back and forth on my prediction because I think Shayna's got a good chance at uh, at a heavyweight title run coming up soon. And I think Triple H would be the one, the catalyst for that. But um, I think uh, I think, as I've said with the other two matches, I think this was set up, like you said, to make sure that Liv is established as a uh, solid heavyweight champion. Uh, I get women's champion. You can't call a woman heavyweight. Edge and Mysterio against the Judgment Day. Edge and Mysterio win. Dominic turns on Edge and his father in the aftermath. Uh, this was the start of this show going extremely fucking downhill for me, um, especially with what they did on Raw afterwards, um, where yet again, you had, okay, so for example, Dominic's not in this match, but you go back to the original incarnation of the Judgment Day, with Edge, Finn Balor, a part of a team that wins a match against them, and then the next night joins them, kicking out Edge in the process. Here, Dominic, part of essentially the winning side, turns on Edge and Mysterio, and then joins the Judgment Day the next day after they've already lost. Why not have them? Not to mention Dominic helping Ray and Edge win the match, taking abuse from members of the Judgment Day during the match, but the next day he joins the stable instead of just joining the stable during the match by costing Edge and Mysterio the match. I am sorry. This is fucking horrific regardless of what company it's in. This is 
piss poor storytelling. If you are excited for the idea of Dominic as a heel, that's all well and good. I did kind of like his Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 3 emo look, but fucking horrific storytelling. Just piss poor. This is one of two matches that I got incorrect. And how you played it out was exactly how I thought it was going to play out. Hence, I chose the Judgment Day. And I absolutely agree with you. And I believe that it is prudent at this point to shadow Mills because I saw your conversation over Twitter with him and you guys nailed it. Like this should have happened in the moment at the pay-per-view. The payoff was not the next night. The payoff was at the end of that match. It would have made way more sense had Dom turned to cost the match, not watch the pinfall happen, turned, and then joined the team the next night. I 100% agree with you here. And uh, as I said, I'm going to I'm giving myself a 0.5 on this one because what happened should have happened. It just didn't happen in the right order. Literally, ref bump, Rhea gets in the ring, Dominic gets in the ring to offset her, Dominic low blows edge, clotheslines the fuck out of Ray, just like he did, ref gets back up, one, two, three, judgment day win, Dominic joins. That fucking simple. Terrible execution. Speaking of that, Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. The match itself was good. They warmed up into it. I didn't give a single solitary fuck about this match from the moment Matt Riddle made his entrance. Before the match, they show in the highlights where Seth Rollins, like, you're a piece of shit. Your wife left you. Matt Riddle, I'm going to fucking kill you. And then he comes out to the ring on a fucking scooter looking like Patrick Starr, kicking off the flip-flops with the birds and the pyro, and then gets mad once he finally hears Seth Rollins' music. You said it earlier in regards to something else. You should have fucking known better. Holy fuck. This was as bad as Rollins and Moxley's fucking grudge match where they started it off with a lockup. Shit. Pure shit. Couldn't stand it. This is what booking like this is why I stopped watching. And again, just because Vince is gone, Triple H isn't this magical savior where all of a sudden everything's going to be good. This was too, frankly... Very disappointing examples of storytelling back to back. Hey, Crash, why did you want to do a podcast with Toogie24 about professional wrestling? There you go. <laughs> that right there. I, you know what? The buildup did not equal like, okay, so you brought that up on the live. I hadn't seen the match. I hadn't seen that. This makes absolute sense. The other thing I thought, too, was Riddle winning would have made more sense for a long term program because Seth is playing this psychotic character. Wouldn't be able to let that go. I think Riddle's character would be able to just move on from this. And there's, you know, there might be another match there. There might be something else with this program, but it would have made way more sense for Riddle to be pissed off. Riddle to beat Seth Rollins. And then Seth Rollins not being able to let it go. That, to me, I think that would have been way better booking. And that is the result that I had. And that was the other match that I got incorrect. Then the main event, Roman Reigns wins over Drew McIntyre. Um, look, I, I get the idea. Roman's this big heel champion and such. Uh, they had an opportunity to replicate SummerSlam 92. 
They had an opportunity to have one of the moments of the weekend, at least have it be still in the conversation. Uh, Instead, AEW, both in and out of the ring, get to steal the headlines by having Roman beat Drew. Uh, And then they gave him his own Lex Luger SummerSlam 93. I lost, but I still won because here here's Tyson Fury to sing with me at the end of the show to send everyone home happy, even though that didn't fucking work. WWE fucking tanked this pay-per-view in the back half of it in terms of their booking decisions. Um, yeah, no, th- this this event didn't do much for me to be like, yeah, I'm really missing something here in this new Triple H era. I I wasn't convinced. I think the thing that bothered me about this, again, being a, a dirt cheat reader, um, the brother, and I, I'm always going to mess up his name, but the Uso's brother Solo getting the call Skoa. up. Yeah. Um, him getting the call up and being the catalyst to at least a major part of this match. The guy never held the title in NXT. The guy never won a heavyweight championship in NXT, but he is inserted and a main player in the heavyweight match, but is probably going to be the number five in the bloodline. Actually, number six, because I'd put Paul Heyman in there and I'd put Sami Zayn in there. He's going to be the number six in that faction. And that is how you debut him. That debut would have made more sense on Raw after a clean win or after an appearance, but I don't think that you're doing any favors to your um, to the division or to Drew McIntyre that that's who you introduce and that is the main catalyst to why you couldn't finish Roman Reigns. So with that, everybody, I think we will bring this show to a close. Maybe next week, barring the amount of news, we get to talk about an old event as we like to do. Crash, what do you have going on in the meantime until we get to next week? Oh, uh, streams? Streams on Twitch? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Crash Andrews. Twitter? Twitter.com slash Crash underscore Andrews. And as Tugi alluded to earlier, uh, we do have the second turnbuckle twitter page it is 2nd turnbuckle and uh, there is a website as well at secondturnbuckle.com you can find me everywhere at tuki24 twitter instagram twitch youtube all the fun places we thank you very much for listening to this edition of the second turnbuckle podcast we'll be back next week where i'm sure we'll have nothing to talk about whatsoever (laughs) Doogie, 